Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, thank you for letting me into your world, to all my friends that I have met in the digital. You matter. Um, all those hours that I spent trying to figure out algorithms and graphics, which are not my strength. <clears throat> In fact, I told Mark when, sorry, <clears throat> I told Mark that when he hired me, I said, listen, you may think I'm young, but I don't know anything about digital. <laughs> and he said, that's okay. I need somebody who cares about people and we'll figure the rest out. And he stayed true to that, and we've worked together, and it has been an incredible pleasure learning. In fact, one of the things is the Lord impressed upon my heart that it was time to step away from something that feels really good. And that's actually really hard. It's easy to know when something is not good for us that you should step away from it. But when it's really good and the work is good, it's very hard to go, why would I leave that? But that's really good. And it is a repositioning. One of the things that God showed me was the last two years has been an incredible gift. I, I don't know if you think about times or seasons as gifts. Uh, but in God's kingdom, they are in fact a gift. If we will let him demonstrate to us what we can learn from that. And what I have learned is that the church doesn't actually need walls. That the church can actually exist in all realms at any time, anywhere. And I grew up in the church, and I thought, I thought I knew that. But you know what? Learning this and being in this role has taught me that. And so all of you who join us each and every week online, and if you're brand new today, you, you have come to church, and we believe in you. This series has been really, really awesome for me. I love hearing everybody's story. And that's what's really great about um, these, this fave series. I'm really sorry. This is, see, Mark, you pray over me and I'm all choked up. Hopefully that'll help. All right. I honestly never thought there would come a time in my life where I would have a multitude of favorite verses. I don't know about you or where you're at in your journey. Maybe you've just given your life over to Christ, or maybe you have a series of questions in your mind and you're not quite there yet. But I can remember first cracking this Bible open, getting somewhere usually around Leviticus, giving up and going, can we skip to a different chapter? Like, is there an, another story somewhere in here? But I never thought I would love the word of God so much that when somebody says, preach on your favorite verse, I'm like, well, which one? Like, which one can I preach on? And so I've been praying quite a while, knowing that I was going to be coming here this week. And I love that when I wrote this, I did not know that the Lord was going to call me to step down from this position. And yet, when I wrote this, this has been an incredible revelation for me just in the last few months. And so as we walk through this verse together, I just pray, and this is my prayer, is that this revelation will come to you. That you will see that God is a God of promises, he is also a God of great big dreams. And I don't know about you, I think we get to some point in our lives where we quit dreaming. Everything is about reality. I'm a super logical person. Anyone else? 
Just me. Oh, well, that's great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm like, I mean, I live like here. Like I am on, feet on the ground. I live here. I don't like, I'm not the dreamer creator. That is my husband and my daughter. I live in reality. I keep my faith planted in reality. And we talk, that's what we talk about in my world. And, but God is a God of great big dreams. And if you get reading the scripture, you'll start to realize that he loves to plant those dreams in people. And then he wants to use people to get to that great big place. And what I have realized about this dream, though, it is going to be something you can't do without him. And that's usually our hardest part, isn't it? Because we want to be able to do it all by ourselves. I want to be able to know. I am, I, people say that I'm often a risky person. What they don't know, though, is that everything I do is a calculated risk. I actually know whether or not I'm going to accomplish it before I start it. So it looks risky to you. It looks like I'm really jumping out there, but the reality is I've already calculated everything. I know it's going to work out, and if it's not going to work out, then I'm not going to do it. And you know what? The, a life with Christ looks very different than that. And that's what I've been learning. That a life with Christ is not about a bunch of calculated steps and I can determine the outcome. A life with Christ is about this great big dream and you just put one foot in front of the other and and you continually pray that you will arrive where he has promised you and that he'll use everything along the way. Even when you stumble and fall. Even when it doesn't work out. And so... My favorite verse is really three words. And before you, you know, tell Mark I didn't do my assignment, I just want you to know it comes out of Genesis 40, verse 1. Some time later. This is a story about Joseph. Joseph and his great big dream. He had this huge dream that he, and he was young. He was a young boy when he has this dream. And that he's going to be king one day. The dream nearly cost him his life because his brothers were furious that he thought he was so much better than them. This same Joseph was sold into slavery, purchased by Potiphar, and then later accused of trying to take Potiphar's wife for his own, so he was thrown into prison. That is the Joseph I'm talking about this morning and where my favorite verse actually starts. My mentor, I was going through a difficult season. Anybody been through a difficult season? Oh, good. We got hands this time. All right. We've been through, we were going through a difficult season, and my mentor challenged me. She says, you know what, Lindsay, go to the Word of God and find somebody in the Word of God that is going through or went through something you went through and read what God did in their life. Because what God did in their life, God will do in your life, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Well, in that particular season, I went to, I think some of us do this, so you can laugh along with me. I think some of us do this. We go to Job. Oh, my life is so hard. Let me go to Job. That's got to be my problem. But you know what? If I'm being honest, you start to read Job. Man, no, my life is not Job's life. It was hard, and it was a difficult season, and we did lose some people in our lives, but it was not Job's life. And before I knew it, I ended up in this story about Joseph. A strange place for me, honestly. And as as I was reading it, I was being reminded of a dream that the Lord had planted on my heart many years ago. So we're going to go here. Genesis 41. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, so Joseph's in prison. 
Okay, sometime later, right? Sometime later, he's now sitting in a prison somewhere. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. See, notice it says, for quite some time. How many of you like waiting? Oh, now we, yeah, now, no hands this time, right? Nobody likes waiting. In fact, our culture is built on making sure you don't have to wait, right? Uh, Mark and I were talking this morning. I mean, who in here has the duty of car line in the morning? Oh, look at, you're like this trepidation, like don't talk about it. Okay, I have, my kids have been in school for a month now, so I've been dealing with Carline for a month already. Thankfully, my daughter likes to get to school really early, so I, it's, it's quick, it's quick business for me, right? But, but that line, inevitably, we begin to think, oh, how long am I gonna have to wait? How many of you like to sit at a red light? Oh, hmm, no hands there either, right? Like, we just inevitably don't like to wait. And here we have in this scripture for quite some time again. See, Joseph has this ability to interpret dreams of these two accused by Pharaoh. And he asks for one thing from the cupbearer, who has a better fate than the chief baker in return. And here's what he asks of these two. Listen, if I will, you know, he says to them, listen, if I will interpret your dreams, I am asking one thing from you. Please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. It seems like a simple request. However, the chief cupbearer forgets all about Joseph and never gets it another thought. I, I, this is a bold question. If you don't know me, then <laughs> this is a bold question. How many of you have ever wondered, did he, did God forget about me? Like when I've been praying and praying, did like he forget? I mean, it's natural. That's a natural feeling. I'm here to affirm to you. That's a natural feeling. It is okay to feel at some point like, okay, I've done all the things. I prayed the prayer. You planted the dream. And then did you forget? Like, did you, did you leave me off somewhere? You know, am I the kid that's at the last to be picked up from the car line and my mom forgot? Like, what happened? And it's such a natural feeling. In fact, when we get to Genesis 41, it actually tells us two full years later. Joseph was forgotten for another two years in that prison. You know, I don't know. It was this time of studying Joseph's life that these two phrases, really, portions of verses jumped off to me sometime later and two full years later. The question then starts to come into mind, why Joseph? I, I thought that, you know, like, why not Job or why not, why not one of the, the, these, you know, powerful ladies in Scripture? Why Joseph? And here's what I'm going to tell you. And, and I told Mark this morning, and, and my husband knows, I, I have not uttered the dream that the Lord's planted on my heart. I really have, I, I've told my husband, and I can't really recall if I've ever told anybody else because it's audacious. It's humongous. And quite frankly, remember, I told you I take calculated risks. 
So I don't like to tell people things that I'm going to do that I don't think that I can actually accomplish. Because I'm too afraid of what you might think of me. Maybe you're like me this morning and you only take on things that you know you can accomplish because you're worried what, what people might think. You're worried what might happen at some point if you can't. Maybe you're worried about failure. And here's what I'm learning about the Lord. If he plants it, he will equip you. He will give you what you need, but you have to be faithful in stepping out. And the Lord planted this dream on my heart many years ago that I would travel and reach thousands of people for the Lord. He planted that dream in my heart when I wasn't even totally sold out to him. But he gave me a glimpse of what it could be if I would be sold out, if I would turn everything over, if I would just open up my hands and obey him. And so in 2019, I quit my job. It seems crazy. That's totally insane. In fact, I disobeyed for an entire year. I knew I was supposed to leave in 2018, but it wasn't logical. It really wasn't. I argued with God. I, I, maybe I just want to affirm in you, if you've argued with him, you're in good company. I argued with him. I told you that's not, that doesn't make any sense. We're a two-income family. I carry the health insurance. Why would you ask me to do such a crazy thing? And you know what I love about God is he so desires to see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. He will put some pressure on to get you to obey. And that last year of teaching, I could have left on a high note. This, this pains me so much sometimes. I could have left on a high note. Man, 2018 was a great year. It was a great year. 2017, 2018 school year was a great year. But I disobeyed. I walked into the 2018, 2019 school year, and it was terrible. It was just terrible. I had, I had just, I had difficult classes. I was traveling between buildings and I couldn't figure out why this was so difficult. Like I have done this for 15 years. It's not supposed to get harder. It's supposed to get easier. And then I realized I was being disobedient. And God's mercy was being poured upon me, making it hard so I would turn around, I would repent, and head back towards the dream that God had on my life. Which is why I actually quit before the school year was even over, because I knew that I would be tempted to stay. I'd be tempted to hang on. And as the Lord and I have been talking about this role in particular, this is why it's so amazing, I wrote this message before I knew what God was going to do in my life, he clearly said to me, okay, Lindsay, he reminded me of all those things that, that year. He said, obey me now. And what we see here in this is really the power of Jesus' words to give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. In fact, you can't have, you can't come to fruition and see that dream without it. And so as I, I studied Joseph, as my mentor asked me to do, there were some things that I saw in Joseph that I knew that God was trying to teach me. Do you realize our waiting is an opportunity to learn? I mean, think about a timeout for a minute. How many of you have ever given a timeout? Okay, how many of you have given yourself a timeout? Okay. 
It's a waiting, right? You're trying to calm down. You're trying to rationalize. You're trying to process whatever is happening. And if you're giving a timeout to a child, you're really asking them to wait and hopefully make better choices when they come out of the timeout. And if you're anything like my children, you might be in there a really long time if you can't get it together, right? The reality is, is that we have this moment in which Joseph at 16 is given a dream. He is not ready to be a king. And when God planted this dream in my heart to travel and reach thousands of people, I was not ready to do that. I was full of myself. I didn't know enough about the word of God. And I had a lot of learning to do. So as I studied Joseph, here's what I learned from him. He continued to succeed even in his waiting. In fact, we even see that. Most of us think of waiting as a time where nothing is happening. But that's not how God works in his kingdom. We see the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph. If you are in a season of waiting today, God planted a dream in your heart and you're waiting and you maybe think he forgot about you, I want you to tuck that word into your heart right now. The Lord is with you. He was with Joseph. In fact, I believe the fact that when we read that in scripture, the Lord was with Joseph, he sensed that the Lord was with him and he could stay on path. He sensed that the Lord was there with him in Potiphar's house and there with him in prison, and he stayed on track. And he succeeded by serving. I read that and I realized, you know, when I'm waiting, am I more concerned about me or somebody else? He succeeded because he decided to serve those he was waiting with, as opposed to grumbling in the corner about what he was missing out on. I wonder, does a, an attitude of service come out of us while we're waiting? Are we anxious to serve while we wait, or are we waiting to be served? The second thing I realize is that he noticed others while waiting. He started to pick up that there are other people around him. There are other things going on around him, and he can serve other people. See, when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. That's the, the, the people from Pharaoh that are sent to prison. See, he paid attention to those who were around him. He decided that, you know what, listen, I believe in the promise of God and I'm going to pay attention to what's happening around me because maybe there's somebody around me who doesn't know about the promise of God and I can be light in their life today. Instead of looking inward, he was looking outward. And finally, all glory went to God while he waited. See, in, in verse 8 of chapter 40, it says, interpreting dreams is God's business. I was reading one commentator that looked at the three times Joseph talked about dreams, and he realized that Joseph was releasing his future over to God. The first time when he has that dream himself, and he's like, hey guys, I'm going to be king. Isn't that fantastic? That's my interpretation. All right, that's how he talked to his brothers. Okay, and he says this, and it's all about him, right? That's why they're so mad at him. He's, it's all about him. It's all about this dream about him. The second time, though, with the, with the baker and the cupbearer, it's about him and them. Oh, yeah, I can do that. You know, God helps me, but I can do that. But the third time, 
When Pharaoh says, listen, I need somebody to tell me what these dreams mean, he says, listen, interpreting dreams is God's business. It has nothing to do with me. I just open my mouth and I say what he tells me to. In fact, he says, it's beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Joseph trusted that the God who planted the dream would cultivate the ground and harvest when ready. You see, too often we think we're ready when we're not. I thought I was ready because I was, you know, I was preaching a little bit here and there, and I was, I was preaching on the weekends, and I was doing camps. I thought I was ready. And maybe you think, I'm ready. I don't know what I'm waiting for. And if you have kids in here, then you know how that feels. They think they're ready for everything. My 13-year-old thinks she's ready to move out. I laugh at that. I kind of want her to just for like a hot minute so I can be like, see, you weren't ready, huh? Huh. But I think she probably would figure it out and like eat ramen or something and then like call my bluff, right? So often we think we're ready. So often we think, I can do this. I can do this on my own. One of the things the Lord has been showing me lately is that our culture says independent, independent, independent. And God says, be dependent on me. He doesn't push us to an independence. He is trying to get us to a dependence on him. That we are literally living lives that if he doesn't show up, it's not going to work. And I'm going to tell you today that as hard as it's going to be for my family and I to drive away from this place, we are wholly dependent on what he's going to do. Wholly dependent that he is going to make that dream happen and that whatever character it is that he has to build in us in a season of waiting, we will be faithful to the waiting. In fact, in Psalms 145, 13, it says the Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. See, Joseph trusted the character of God. In the midst of circumstances that were not in his favor, these were not working out, this definitely did not look like a man who was about to become king, he trusted God's character because it stays exactly the same. What I realized is this, he stewarded the waiting. To steward something means that you are appointed to supervise or keep order. You manage another person's property. Your calling is from God. You are the manager of the calling. He stewarded the waiting. We are to be stewards of God's kingdom. We are kingdom carriers This means that you and I have to seek to honor him regardless of the season we're in, trusting that he, what he has promised. See, I learned in the sometime later and the two years later that his timing is most important. He knew when it was going to be the right time for Joseph to become the leader. And even though Joseph maybe wanted it sooner, he decided to steward that which what he was given. I wonder how many of us today are in a waiting season. You know, you realize most of our life is actually in waiting. I don't know. Did you realize that? We kind of want to live on a mountaintop experience. We definitely don't want to live in the valley. But you know, most of our life is actually lived in between. There are moments in time that we we. It's low, it's dark, it's difficult. 
And then there's times that are exciting and beautiful, but the majority of our life is lived out waiting for the next season. What would happen then if we didn't wait idly, but we waited forward? We just waited with anticipation. Do you know the riskiest thing, that, actually I should say the most exciting thing I do now in my life because despite what people believe, laundry and cooking dinner is not very exciting. Um, I don't, you know, those of you who find that exciting, we can chat and you can maybe help me find that exciting. But the most exciting thing I do, and that this is literally what every single one of you can do, is be waiting and expectant for what God will do through you at any given moment of the day. God has a dream for each one of you. Actually, I think that's a fresh revelation for somebody in here. God has a dream for every single one of you. And if you are like me and you're going, where are we going? And what are we doing? And maybe you ask the same question, how am I going to pay my bills? Because that's those practical people in us. That's what we ask. He says, ah, but let me show you what you can do today. Let me show you my kingdom today. Let me let you have a taste of the supernatural today. I'm going to tell you the most exciting days of my life are when I steward those moments. When I decide that, yes, I'm waiting. And yes, I cry out and I say, Lord, why would you give me such a dream if I can't ever reach it? He says, because your faith is growing. Because you're going to run into somebody someday who needs your story. Because you are the bearer of light. You actually carry his kingdom. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. You are a kingdom carrier. You carry around his kingdom as a follower of Jesus Christ. And you can set up that anywhere you go. Next time you're in the grocery store, you can impart his kingdom there. The next time you go to the bank or your office, you're driving in the car. Here's a challenge for you. Next time you're sitting at a red light, anxious to get through that red light, pray for every single car that is around you. It's what Joseph did. He thought he locked outward instead of inward in the middle of waiting. And I'm going to tell you what, God has given me weird prayers for people around me. I have no idea why I'm praying those things, but I know that he does. And if it is going to change the trajectory of their day, then so be it. I will sit at that red light and I will pray that. I will pray it all day long. And it's not because I have an abundance of time or that I like waiting. But you know what? I sure want to see his kingdom come. I used to say when, when I, when I, I still say it. When I gave my life over to Christ and, and then I stepped into this calling and I've left everything behind. And it looks like I'm just going to keep leaving as much as I can behind. In case you didn't know, this is not our home. Heaven is our home. I realized that if today were my last day, then I want it to be an obedient one. I want it to be one where I impart his kingdom today so that if I lay down and I don't wake up, I will have done everything he's asked me to do. You are only responsible for what he asks you to do next. And he is responsible for the rest. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. We now have this light in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. 
This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the depth of Jesus, death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Here's our promise. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the thing we see now will soon be gone. But the things we can't see will last forever. I'd ask you this morning, what are you waiting for? What is it that you're waiting for? Maybe you're waiting for a fresh word from God. Maybe you're waiting for that person you love so desperately to give their life to Christ. Maybe you're waiting for healing. Maybe you're waiting for a job opportunity or you're waiting for a spouse. Maybe you've been waiting for a child. Waiting is such a huge part of our life. I would challenge you to do this. Write it down. Write down what it is that you're waiting for. The Apostle Paul tells us to pray always, pray without ceasing. My challenge for you would be to just be committed to praying for that. There's nothing significant about seven days other than you'll arrive back here in seven days, and I hope you online will arrive back here on seven days. But that you are just committed to pressing in. Asking God for that revelation, asking God for that healing, asking God for that word, because he is faithful. In fact, I have been asking God for about six months now, and Mark knows this, so I'm not surprising him. For about six months now, I'm like, Lord, listen, you planted this in my heart, and I am supposed to travel, and I am supposed to move, and I am supposed to do this. In fact, back in 2020, when we moved, the Lord gave me the word transient. And he, then he told me to get rid of all, most of our belongings, which was really hard. And he's brought that word back to surface, transient, to, to keep moving, to pack lightly, to be ready. And I kept praying, and you know, the Lord kept saying to me, you can do, any, you can do what you want. You can stay with the valley. You can leave. And then finally he said, now you must leave. And if you don't, you're disobeying. And I told you, if the last thing I ever want to do, the last thing I'll do today is be an obedient response. He is faithful in the waiting, my friends. He is creating new character for you in the waiting. And from one impatient waiter to the next, he hears your cry. And he loves you so much that he's going to make you wait until what is birthed out of you is exactly what his kingdom needs. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today.
It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It won't be the last time. So thank you for that, Lord. It'll just be a new capacity. Lord, I think the hardest thing about waiting is that we can't see the outcome. It requires faith. We have to trust you. We have to believe that you are who you say you are. And I believe Joseph knew that. And then he learned a lot while he waited. And so, Lord, I I pray today that we would be teachable, that we would allow ourselves to be taught in the season of waiting, and that at the right time, when you tell us to move, we would do it. And we would do it in obedience to you and for your kingdom purposes. Lord, I believe that when we can do it out of our own strength, what glory is there for your kingdom? So yes, this is a bold and audacious prayer, Lord, but I pray that you would call us to things we cannot do in our own strength so that your kingdom would come. It would arrive here and we would see the supernatural land in this place. Lord, I pray for every person who joins us online today and each and every week. Lord, it can be a lonely place. I know where they sit. I sit there at my table way home in Alabama. So Lord, I pray that your presence would just so descend in that place. And if there is anyone in this room that is in a season of waiting, they are waiting for that healing, Lord. They are waiting for that release. They are waiting for that new job. They are waiting. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen their spirit this morning, that their spirit would be renewed, and that you would give them a fresh revelation. It may not happen tomorrow, but they would know that your promises last forever. And that you are good, always good. And you are loving and you are patient and you are kind. And thank you for all that you've done and all that you are going to continue to do. Thank you for letting us serve alongside you. For making us a part of your plan. Now, Lord, do move, please, so that there is healing and wholeness, unity, Bind that which is broken. We love you, Jesus. Amen. May you be blessed. May you have an incredible week. For those of you joining online, I pray that you would just chat with those people who love you so much. We are here to pray for you. If you need, have a great week. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.